0: Philippians 2 verses uh, 5 to 8, for some reason, 5 to 11, sorry, Um, uh, for some reason Nick wanted me to read it in the Latin this morning, but uh, (coughs) my app didn't have the Latin uh, version of this so you're stuck with the NIV. (laughs) Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
1: Amen. Let's pray once more that God would enable us by his spirit to receive what he has um, for us this morning from this word. And and so we just, yeah, we thank you Lord that though we are frail, though we are like grass and uh, we come and go and... Um, and, and other things come and go and fade, but as it says in your word, that your word is eternal, that nothing will fade. And so, Father, I pray this morning that by your Spirit that you bring this word to life for us. Again, as I often pray with a familiar passage for many, Father, I pray that that familiarity would not sow contempt or complacency for us this morning, but but that your word would be made live and new and transformative in our life this morning, in Jesus' name, Amen. Uh, so yesterday, uh, Christy and I uh, had the opportunity to um, take care of uh, Ellie and Sienna, Eliza's girls, for the for the afternoon um, while she worked. And um, they're the easiest girls to take care of; it's not a very hard thing to do. But um, Sienna had um, been asleep in the in the cot in our spare room, and And um, she was waking up and so I went to collect her and as I opened the door, she was sitting in the cot and she looked at me and she pointed at me and she said, Jesus. Um, And and so I was encouraged by that word and thought... (laughs) no 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 I'm not Jesus not I but thank you for that encouragement and so I don't know what was going through Sienna's one-year-old mind at the time and uh, I'd very much doubt it was actually Jesus that she thought she was saying but but that's the word that came in out of her mouth and, and and I'm sure that I look absolutely nothing like the earthly Jesus because I'm not a uh, first century Middle Eastern man um, and I'm um, I've strive in my life to to, to, to be an imitator of Jesus, but I've got a long way to go there. But, but I thought I'd start with that this morning because the Bible over and over again in the New Testament calls us to be imitators of Jesus. Um, though I don't actually look like Jesus, we, we're all called to look like Jesus. Uh, when, when people see us, they should recognize Jesus in us. They should recognize something in us that looks like, that feels like, that appears as Jesus. We're called to be imitators, followers of the example of Jesus. And so as we continue our our It Is Finished series, exploring what what Jesus finished on the cross and through His resurrection for us, uh, this morning we're going to explore the example to follow that is the cross and resurrection. Because if, if we're called to imitate Jesus, then the ultimate expression of who Jesus is, is his, and, and this morning's passage brings this into it, his incarnation, his becoming flesh, his cross, and his resurrection. If we want to uh, boil Jesus down to the essence of, of who he is and who he was in his earthly existence, those are the things that, that paint the picture of an example to follow. And so the crisis we've talked about, and the resurrection is is uh, is is the means through which we have life. It is the means through which we're made alive in Christ and seated in in heavenly realms. It's uh, the means in which our our sins are are paid for. But it's also the example that we're called to follow. Though, though we, hopefully, for for none of us in this room will literally be crucified. Though many believers throughout history have. Um, that we're called to follow the example of the cross and resurrection and, as I said this morning, the incarnation. And so this morning's passage begins by saying saying that we as followers of Jesus should have the same mindset as Jesus. And, and Steve read from the NIV and, and, and for some of us we'd be aware that there's been an update to the NIV in 2011 and and some of their translation has changed. And and so the 2011 version says, if you're in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Uh, As Steve read, the the older translation uh, says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And so literally in the original Greek, it says, have this mindset in you that was in Jesus. Have this mindset in you that was in Jesus. The you, though, is plural. And so that's where the, the, the more recent translation has this amongst your relationship sense. But I want to say this morning that, that both translations are right. It's not either or. It's, it's that the mindset of Jesus should be in us as individual followers of Jesus. It should be in our church community and it should be expressed in the relationships we have amongst the church family and with the church's relationship with the world around us. Our, our attitude, our mindset should be shaped with that attitude and mindset that was in Jesus. Uh, this word for, for mindset and attitude in the, in the Greek is uh, phreneo um, and, and it's a difficult word to translate into English because it carries such a, a rich sense of meaning. Uh, It's an inner perspective that shows itself in corresponding outward behavior. So it's not just an abstract collection of beliefs and thoughts. It's not just kind of, oh, this is kind of the stuff I think. It's an inner perspective, but it's not the mindset of Jesus unless it's expressed in outward behavior. And so, as Paul goes on to talk about who Jesus is and the mindset he had and expressed, he doesn't talk about Jesus' abstract thoughts and perspectives. He talks about his action, his behavior. See, it's not really something we believe. It's not really a mindset we have unless it shows up. On the outside. So, so for now, the, the mindset or the attitude we're, we're called to have that was in Jesus is an inner perspective that expresses itself outwardly. It's also difficult to translate because it contains both the cognitive, that is the, the thinking, uh, intellectual part of our mindset, and the visceral aspects, the, the feeling part of our mindset. And so what, what that means is that we're not just called to think the same as Jesus, we're called to think the same as Jesus, and feel the same as Jesus. Our thoughts are to be shaped with the, the thoughts that Jesus had. Our, our feelings are to be shaped with the way that Jesus felt about the world and life and God and uh, was called to think and to feel in our brain and in our guts be like Jesus. And, and so Jesus is the exemplar the perfect example of not just the mindset but the behavior that Paul is urging the church to embrace and he's actually if we go back to verses 3 and 4 Paul's actually using Jesus as the example to illustrate what is explicitly called the church in Philippi to to express in their attitudes and behaviors so in 3 and 4 he says do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And then he says, in your relationships with one another, or in you, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so the purpose of, of, of the description of Jesus that follows is to call us to go deeper, to, to understand the mindset and attitude of Jesus. But, but often because, because of what Paul says about Jesus here is, is so profound and, and so rich, we, we get lost in, in, in focusing on Jesus, which seems an odd thing to say, and we forget to go the extra step of saying, well, what, what about Jesus am I called to imitate? What, what mindset of Jesus is Paul expressing here that I'm called to have within myself? What attitude of Jesus is Paul talking about in these words that I'm called to, to think and to feel? Because the whole point, as, as rich as, as the description of Jesus' uh, incarnation, cross and resurrection is here, the whole point of including these words is for us then to use that as a mirror to look at us. We look at Jesus so that we might look at how we are called to think to feel, and to behave. And so Paul goes on to describe Jesus' behavior and, and goes on to, to, I guess, highlight some, some attitudes and mindsets we're called to embrace. And so the first mindset or attitude that, that Paul talks about Jesus expressing, I believe, is that of complete selflessness. Complete selflessness. So in verses 6 and 7, Paul says of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or many translations would say grasped or clung to. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant or or slave, we could translate that word, being made in human likeness. So Paul says, Jesus was in very nature God. The Greek word is morphe, which means the essential characteristics of something, that which you can't be the thing without containing. And so Paul is saying, as it says in the NIV, that Jesus was in every possible way in his essential characteristics, in his very nature, God. He was co-eternal with God. He existed before time began With God, as it says in John chapter 1, he was both with God and was God. See, Jesus had no higher status, there was no higher status, power, advantage or worth than that which Jesus possessed. Let me say that again because I bumbled on it a bit. There was no higher possible status, power or advantage than that which Jesus possessed. But then Paul says he didn't use that to his own advantage. The, the Greek says grasp or clung to. Uh, he didn't cling to it, grasp it, seek to use that power, that status, that worth, that advantage for his own needs and purposes. It says instead, instead of grasping it, instead of using it selfishly, he emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He became in very nature a slave. That he who was in his essential essence all that God is and was and will ever be, became in essential effort essence a servant or a slave. It says, being found in human likeness, he became flesh. Paul is talking about the incarnation here that we would call it in theological terms, the, the God becoming flesh like us and so the attitude that Jesus expresses here the mindset is that of complete selflessness that he who had all who was due all gave all emptied himself of everything for our sake for the sake of others and and many see in this, this sense of, and that's why I say even though the translation is, is spot on saying that Jesus didn't use his position or status to his own advantage, that's why I remind us that the original language was grasping because it reminds us of, of how we fell in humanity. Our fall into sin, our rebellion against God was a rebellion of grasping. As, as Adam and Eve in the garden reached for equality with God expressed in the, the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They grasped for for equal status, for equal power, for for equal worth with God and in doing so fell from the, the value and worth that we were created with. And so Jesus, Paul is expressing him here as, as the antidote to our grasping is he's non-grasping, he's emptying himself for others. He emptied himself in complete selflessness for those who were completely selfish. We seek to fill ourselves, as Adam and Eve sought to fill themselves with the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, we seek to fill ourselves. We are, since the fall, inherently selfish. If we're hungry, we want to eat first. If we're needy, we want our needs met first. If we lack for something, we want that to be given to us before we think about the needs of others. That's our inherent nature as as uh, fallen humanity. Yet Jesus emptied himself. Uh, to reflect back on verses 3 and 4 of Philippians 2, uh, the things that that Jesus expressed that Paul is calling the church to express here is expressed in these words, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Jesus, who had the possibility of doing absolutely anything with all power and worth, chose to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And I like the way that Paul says it here, because it, it kind of presupposes for us as, as humans that we will have selfish ambition and vain conceit. But Paul says to us, do nothing out of that place. Do, do not act from that place. He, he also says, do not look to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is what Jesus did in the incarnation. He did not look to his own interests. He emptied himself in the interest of others, in the interest of us. And so the first mindset, the first attitude of Jesus, the first way we're we're called to think and to feel and to behave is of complete selflessness. This is the mindset of Jesus as God. And so therefore this is the attitude and the mindset of God himself. This is the attitude and the mindset... That we're called to have. We're called to think selflessly, not selfishly. We're called to look like Jesus, to stand out in a world of selfishness, to be those that are completely selfless. And so the second attitude that Paul goes on to talk about, oops too many clicks, Paul goes on to talk about is that of remarkable humility. So complete selflessness and then remarkable humility. In verse 8, Paul says this, he says, so following his incarnation, he says, and then being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death or unto death, even death on a cross. And so as God, Jesus emptied himself, and as a human, though still being God, he continued by humbling himself. He was completely selfless as God, and then remarkably humble as a human. Uh, the words here for, for, that we translate into, into humbling himself are literally, in the Greek, he took the lowest place. He took the lowest possible place. He who was due the highest place, he who was due all worship, all praise, all glory, all honour, he who was due to have all things under his feet, as it says of the Lord, took the lowest place, placed himself under all things. And so for Jesus, it says in in this verse that that this humility was expressed through obedience and through sacrifice. So he was obedient to the Father and he was obedient to death. He who had no uh, need to die because he hadn't sinned was obedient to death, but, but it's also obedient unto death. He was obedient to the point of death and beyond it. And it goes on further, it wasn't just that he humbled himself unto death, it says, even death on a cross. The most humiliating and inglorious way to die. Shameful in the eyes of the Jewish because it was hanging on a tree and the scripture says, whoever hangs on a tree is cursed, Jesus became the curse shameful in the context of the Roman times as we talked a bit about last week because the whole idea of crucifying someone was not just to kill them it was to torture them and to publicly shame them and so though as we talked about last week that that John describes the cross as the glorification of Jesus because he understands what's been accomplished there in human terms it is the most inglorious shameful way to die. I was struck this week by. We talk about the cross, but Paul here says he became obedient to death, even death, on a cross. See, so it, was, it was just another cross. Jesus was just, in the eyes of those at the time, just another shameful, worthless imposter hanging on, on a cross. Jesus literally took the lowest possible place. Not just that as a servant or slave, not just that of a God in human flesh, but but there was no p- lower place you could be afforded in society than to be hanging on a cross. And there's this this... Kind of in the original Greek, there's this literary framing, this, this mirroring mirroring in the poetry of this passage between he who, in very nature, was God and death on a cross. They're, they form a, a couplet together in, in literary terms, which, but what that means is Paul is intentionally wanting us to see together that Jesus was in very nature God in every single possible way, and he died on a cross, the most shameful and inglorious place in human history he wants us to see those things that that are inconceivable to go together he wants to s- us to see them together because that's the expression of the nature of who God is that is the expression of Jesus remarkable humility that is Jesus taking the lowest place and if we if we think about ourselves uh, Our attitude is rarely that to take the lowest place. We talk about in our culture, we talk about climbing the ladder, which is all about trying to get to a higher place than we currently are. We talk about, uh, you know, climbing the corporate tree. We talk about elevating ourselves higher and higher. And and I want to say it's okay to, to rise up in your company and rise up in your influence and Um, Those who are familiar with the the seven mountains of influence and and, and the importance of of followers of Jesus being in influential positions, I want to say that's okay. But what's at issue is the attitude and the heart. Is it selfish ambition that drives us to climb the ladder? Are we seeking a higher place for ourselves or are we seeking a higher level of influence for Jesus in our society? It's challenging for me, even you know. Sometimes you might think, "Oh, well, I'm a pastor, and so so you know, all of all of what I do is 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 completely selfless and for Jesus." And you probably haven't actually thought that about me, but but it's challenging even for me because I I, I really desire the church to grow. I really desire all of Yas to know the name of Jesus and to worship Him. But I also have to be careful that that what's driving me is not selfish ambition to to grow the church, so, well, I look good now, don't I, because the church is bigger. And I've really been, God's really been challenging me around this to to separate off what is gospel ambition and what is just Nick's selfish ambition. Because I believe that God wants all of you to know the name of Jesus and to worship Him. The, the, The action may be the same, but we really need to think about what is the inner motive. And if we're to think and to feel and to act like Jesus, our our inner motivation, our mindset has to be that of remarkable humility. In verses uh, 3 and 4, in which, as I've said, Paul is using Jesus as the perfect example of this behavior, Paul says this, in humility consider others better than yourself. Our natural predisposition is to consider ourselves a little bit better than most people. Uh, I remember someone saying to me once or reading it somewhere that that when we're driving we think anyone that's driving faster than us is an idiot (laughs) and anyone driving slower than us is a moron. (laughs) That there's this perfect speed that I am the only one who seems to be able to maintain. and we laugh about that, but but that's the way we tend to think in life, that that, you know, there's this handful of people that they're just a little bit too religious and, and too restricted and too tight. But then there's these other people over here who are they call it grace, but they're just, you know, they're just using that as an excuse to live this loose and free and easy life. But but me, I'm in the middle and I've got it right, I'm holding things perfectly together. I'm just a little bit better than everybody else. And so Paul says, as displayed in the behavior, the attitude, the mindset of Jesus, we're actually called to, in humility, consider others better than ourselves as our default attitude and mindset. We're called to, as Jesus, be remarkably humble. We're called to think and to feel and to act in a way that seeks to take Not the highest place, but the lowest place. We're called to embrace, as Jesus did, obedience and sacrifice. And we can't forget here the the words of Jesus, that the last shall be first. This is the shape of the kingdom. He who wants to be the greatest must be the servant or slave of all. We're called to look like Jesus in remarkable humility. And so, we, so Jesus, Paul says, expressed this mindset of complete selflessness. He expressed this attitude of remarkable humility. And then he goes on in the next few verses to say this, and I, and I want to read this again. Therefore God exalted him, that's Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge or confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so here's, here's the point in this passage where often we just kind of lose track of this is supposed to be about a mindset that I embrace. No. We kind of start to think, has perhaps Paul just gotten caught up as it seems he sometimes does talking about Jesus, and he's, he's saying, you know, we should have the mindset of Jesus, and then he just gets excited talking about Jesus, and just goes off into praise about Jesus, and then kind of thinks, well, what was I talking about? Sorry. We, we lose track of the intent here, because this language is so profound about Jesus. The key here to, to understanding... What we're called to embrace as an attitude and a mindset here is to to catch the shift in who the actor is, who's the active person. See, in verses 6 to to 8, it's all been Jesus. Jesus emptied himself. Jesus humbled himself. But now it's God, the Father, who acts. God, the Father, exalted him to the highest place, or in Greek, Paul invented this word, which is essentially God hyper exalted him. God gave him the name that is above all names that all might bow and confess his lordship. And so, what is the attitude that, that Paul is calling us to grab out of this and, and have within us? Then I want to suggest that it's this that it's trusting in God for our vindication. As trusting in God for our glorification, trusting in God to reveal the character of our behaviour. This is a consistent call throughout Scripture. In, in uh, Peter's letters, in one Peter five six, he says, "Humble yourself, therefore, and God's mighty hand under sorry. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time." James, the brother of Jesus, says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. We're called to trust in God for our vindication, not to vindicate or prove ourselves right. This is challenging for me. When someone uh, accuses me of being wrong or accuses me of, 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 of being in error... The desire to be proved right, to prove myself right, is a raging fire within me. The desire to be vindicated is a raging fire within me when someone suggests that I'm in error. Yet the scriptures call me to trust in God for my vindication. And so this is, this is a, a clear instruction when, when we're in that place of, I want to prove myself right, but, but it's also meant to be something that shapes all of our behavior, not when we're just under accusation. We, we all want to come off as not just doing the right thing, but making sure everybody sees that we're doing the right thing. We don't just want to be humble servants. We, we as fallen humanity, want people to notice that we're doing that. Oh, isn't Nick great, he cleaned the toilet. When I say we all, as in some of us, are more redeemed than than others and more sanctified than others, but but as humans, we have this nature within us that we want vindication, we want people to notice, we want people to to celebrate how humble we are, (laughs) how selfless we are, in a sense. But as Christians which that word means uh, in literal sense, little Christs, those who look like Jesus, we don't seek our own vindication. We don't need to be selfish or to raise ourselves up. We don't need to grasp because we can trust in the Lord's promises that if we humble ourselves before Him, He will raise us up. If we submit ourselves to Him, he will vindicate our cause. We, we won't be, as Jesus, given the name that is above every name, that it, all of creation will acknowledge that we are Lord, but, but the message here is that Jesus expressed complete selflessness. He expressed remarkable humility and God vindicated him and a vindication awaits for us, a glorification awaits for us. We can trust God in in this life that that he will vindicate us. But ultimately, our vindication, our our affirmation from God comes when Jesus returns and we enter into his glory. When we hear the words from the Father, well done, good and faithful servant. So what Paul is encouraging us to do here is to trust in God for that day not seeking to make ourselves look good or be vindicated in this day, to trust God for the day when he will speak over our lives, well done, good and faithful servant, to, to live, as, as others have said, for an audience of one. In the Psalms, we, we, have, this, oops, we have this promise uh, about trusting in God for vindication. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. If we trust in the Lord, He will do this. We might feel like no one notices what we do. We might feel like no one cares about how we serve God. No one sees. But as Jesus said, the Father sees what is done in secret if we commit our way to Him, if we trust Him, He sees He will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. He will make our vindication shine like the noonday sun. All will be revealed. And so Paul says, have the same mindset as Jesus. Have the same attitude as Jesus, in yourself, in your relationships with the church, in the church itself, we're, we're called to look like Jesus, to, to think, to feel, to behave like Jesus so that when the world sees us, they see Jesus. They might not know the name of Jesus, they might not know who he is, but they look at us and see the character of Jesus. The world should look at you and see something of jesus expressed the world should look yes should look at yes community baptist church and and they should see complete selflessness remarkable humility and and a group of people who trust in god for our vindication who embrace an inner perspective thinking and feeling that expresses itself in corresponding behaviour. So I'm going to pray and our worship team are going to come and, and, and finish in song. But I'm going to pray because we can't think and feel and act like Jesus in our own strength. It's only through the empowering of the Holy Spirit that it's possible for us to have the mindset of Jesus. Um, So I'm going to pray for God's enabling and empowering and then then we're going to worship our Redeemer in song once more. And so Father, I pray and I just encourage you to to pray with me and and, and adopt whatever posture of of readiness to receive um, you'd like to take. And so Father, I pray that in us, your people would be the mindset, the attitude that was in Jesus. I pray that you, by the power of your Spirit, would shape us to be completely selfless. I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would shape us to be remarkably humble. I pray that by the power of your Spirit, you would give us faith and a trust and a security in God. That we would trust Him for vindication. That we trust Him to bring us into your glory. And not seek to prove the rightness of our own cause. And So finally, once more I pray, Holy Spirit, come and do a work within us that we would have in us the attitude and the mindset of Jesus that we might look like him and that the world might see him through us. And in his name I pray, in the name of Jesus.